This is Inside the FLX from FingerLakes1.com. I'm Ted Baker, and we're going to learn about supply chains today with Arthur Wheaton, who is with the School of Industrial and Labor Relations at Cornell University. Uh, Mr. Wheaton, thanks for being here. It is my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So we've learned a new vocabulary term here in these last couple of years, supply chain. So give us kind of a broad overview of how our products make it from manufacturer to store shelf. Well, in the old days, it used to be that you went and shopped everything local. So you went to your local producers and they would ship it possibly by car or by truck to get to the grocery store or to the other supply store. And then what happened is they had mass production where they would build lots and lots of different products and ship them all across the world. So the supply chain means that the products that you're buying are made in multiple locations and could travel great distances. It's become a huge problem, and why you know the term now in the U.S. is because a little tiny computer chip from Taiwan has had its difficulties finding its way into your cell phones, into your car, into your other electronics that you're needing, and we can't get enough of them. So any glitch in that supply chain, which is getting a product from one location to another, can cause major disruptions along the way. Is there any particular place where it's breaking down the most? I hear about the container ships backing up off the Pacific coast. They can't get in and not enough trucks to get things off the ships and and onto the roads. Is it breaking down everywhere or is there a particular kind of choke point that's causing all this? I think it really depends on the exact or specific product that you're talking about. So one of the issues in the supply chain is chickens. So there seems to be a shortage in some areas of trying to get chickens um, to the different warehouses or different grocery stores. So that has nothing to do with the container ships, but it's still a supply chain issue. If you go to cell phones, it goes back to that chip that they were having trouble. And part of it was caused by fire, that they actually had fires in some of the locations building these computer chips. And that caused disruptions. You're seeing big disruptions with COVID having the different workforces have people calling in sick or people on having to isolate for two weeks because they have COVID and that's created problems. The container ships is another one. And it's not that we didn't have enough containers or we didn't have enough container ships. We didn't have enough semi-truck drivers to move the containers out of the docks and to get them to the individual location. So there's supply chain issues with production, there's supply chain issues with distribution, there's supply chain um, backups with logistics and trying to get the containers out of the way. So there's a long laundry list of issues, and they all seem to hit right at the same time when we all need it. Is the problem primarily with goods produced overseas, or is it affecting U.S.-made goods just as much? The problem is, is that a lot of U.S.-made goods require some small parts that are made in other places. So you can have thousands of parts into a car, and if they need to get that one part from the Philippines that they're doing wiring harnesses, that could cause the disruption. Or in the case for the cell phones, it's just that one little tiny part that they use. They can use up to a 1,000 or 2,000 in an electric car. They can use 2,000 of them chips in a single car, and it's that one little tiny part that they can't get it going. So it, it, it varies across, but their distribution problems are less severe if all of the products made in the U.S. 
And sometimes it can be even be raw materials. I, I was talking, uh, you know, there's a shortage of canned cat food in the grocery store, and it's not the food they're short of as much as the cans. Correct. It's also glass bottles. So even getting a, a glass bottle of whiskey can be more difficult these days because there's not enough glass being made and people are not recycling it at the same rate as they could or should so that there's problems with glass. There's problems with the, the aluminum cans. There's problems with all sorts of different products and whether it's copper, whether it's in electric cars, they've had it forever with limited supplies of lithium or lithium ion batteries. So that's also another short supply issue. So it varies. There's just a wide variety of issues and problems um, in the supply chain. How much of this is being caused by COVID and how much of it is just being revealed as problems that we might have been running into anyway? I think it's a combination of both, but I think a lot of it is the latter that you were talking about just being revealed because it hit at this time. We saw huge shifts in demand so that the expectations of supply and demand have been changed with COVID. So people are no longer going out to the restaurants to eat, they're eating at home. So that changes the type of goods and the type of packaging that people are ordering. For the alcohol, people were going to the bar and drinking at the bar, but now everybody's getting it to go or getting it from packaged carryout. So that has changed the supply and the demand for what's going on. We didn't 10 years ago we were not all hooked on amazon delivering that product the next day to your door we are now so that the demand um, has increased as people are at home but the supply hasn't and the packaging for those hasn't changed so it's not directly because of the virus it's because of our behavior changed because because of the virus what about the media's role in this? Early on in the pandemic, we hear stories, there's a big toilet paper shortage. Whatever you do, don't storm the grocery store and buy up all the toilet paper. And so people immediately storm the grocery store and buy up all the toilet paper. Yeah, media does have, have something to say. And it's not just the media, it's the social media. So that now a text can be heard around the world almost instantaneously on whether it's through text or, or other social media platforms like Facebook or Twitter, everything just gets spread around the globe very quickly. And for toilet paper, that was another issue where it was a change in behavior. People are no longer going to the bathroom on average at the workplace, they're going at home. So they're buying less of the bulk industrial sized toilet paper and they switch to all buying the smaller individual package in the store. So they had plenty of toilet paper. They just didn't have it in that packaging. They had the bulk ones all over the place, but they don't. They weren't using the demand for that was much lower because people were going at home instead of out. <laughs> That's a new one on me. There have been a lot of behavioral changes due to the pandemic. That one never occurred to me. So uh, I've definitely learned something new there. What are we going to do moving forward to, to fix these things for the future? Is there going to be a push to returning more manufacturing to the U.S.? And, and how are we going to shore up these fragile supply chains so they don't break down again? Well, it's interesting you say the word fragile because I used to work at MIT at the same location that invented that term lean production. The original term was fragile production so that they knew these supply chains in a high-performance system are very fragile. So that's that's definitely become a problem. 
President Biden has tried uh, through his uh, transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, trying to make changes to um, get more of the empty containers out of the way on the on the dock so that they could get the empty containers out of the way so they could move more of the full ones to get more product. You've seen some changes in the legislation for allowing people to have more of the CDL or commercial driver's licenses to get more truckers. There's been a lot of different things, but you can't wave your magic wand and just automatically correct a problem that's facing the entire planet. And the demand has faced the entire planet. So everybody wants something and they want it now. And that's made it hard for the, the companies to deliver it. So I think it's a matter of trying to plan ahead, ordering more in bulk. And if you can, you want to bring the supply chain closer to your manufacturing so that you don't have as many of those barriers. It used to be just-in-time delivery, and that has proven to be very problematic uh, in the cell phone industry, in the computer industry, and especially in the auto industry. Yeah, you just anticipated my next question. I was going to ask you about that. We were talking about factors being revealed. Explain the concept of just-in-time inventory. Well, a lot of it has to do for the auto industry and manufacturing. Toyota was the one who was very big on doing that, and they got it from the U.S. produce and seafood industry, that you didn't really want to buy your fish that was five or six days old. You wanted it fresh as soon as you could, and they didn't have a place to store all of that. So just-in-time delivery became popular in lean production from Toyota in the Toyota production system. And the idea was you don't want to have any excess inventory lying around because that's wasted money so that you want the part delivered just in time, just as you need it so that you don't have to store it and pay for storage and move it a lot of different times. And that worked out great when everything was running smoothly. It works terrible if you have a, a problem or a hitch somewhere along the way or, um, any any of those log jams, as you mentioned, can create huge problems. Arthur Wheaton has been our guest with the School of Industrial and Labor Relations at Cornell University. Thanks for your time, and thanks for helping us understand all this. You're very welcome. Thank you.